Wellspring podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. This morning, um, I want to talk about standing on God's promises. And our foundational verse is going to be 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 3. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it is with you. And pray that we may be delivered from the wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. So again, I want to talk about the promises of God found in Scripture. Amen. Obviously, we can't discuss all of them because we would be here a very long time because as I went through this and put this together, I found that there could be as many as 7,500 promises of God throughout the Bible. 7,500. But uh, this morning, I just want to, I guess, kind of set the foundation, although I'm not going to be preaching on this every week and it's kind of a... I guess it could be done weekly, is I want to talk about the meaning of God's promises. Some of them are pretty important that we all need to be reminded of and how we can be reassured that we can count on God to fulfill every promise. So this morning, I want to talk about first, foundationally, trusting God. Because if we don't have that trust or faith in God, we're not going to see the promises because we're just going to miss right. It's going to go right over our heads. We're going to discuss the faithfulness of God. There's no point in discussing the promises of God if we can't fully trust God to fulfill his promises. So if you go in the, with the attitude of, I don't think God's going to do this. He can't do it. It's too big. There's too much going on. Then we've already, we've already just kind of buried ourselves. You know, there's no sense of going on, I guess. As you might have guessed, this year is an election year. Noting all the commercials on TV. There's been a couple. I've seen a couple. And in those TV commercials, the politicians are really good about making all kinds of promises. What they're going to do when they get in office, you know, and we should believe them and vote for them because they're going to do this and they're going to do that. And I would say, not to judge, but 99% of them never do what they say they're going to do. Thank God we don't have a God that's like that. So in the spirit of the election year, I just want to say, my name is Bill Middleton, and I approve this message. <laughs> Psalm 89, 1 through 2 in the NIV says, I will sing of his mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known your faithfulness to all generations. I will declare that your love stands forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Uh, we're going to go actually with the NLT version, the New Living Translation version of the same scripture, Psalm 89, 1 and 2. I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old, we hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is enduring as the heavens. First point of several I want to make this morning is we need to realize that the faithfulness of God is worth celebrating. Verse 1a says, I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. The first step to standing on God's promises is to remember what he's already done. It's easy to remember when we're on the mountaintop that things are good. 
But when we start to get into that valley, we forget that we were just there. And it doesn't mean that we're not going to get back to another mountaintop. It just means we're going through the valley. And sometimes we forget he got us there. And now we're going back down. And that's just life, unfortunately, as we all have experienced. We need to realize that the faithfulness of God is worth sharing. Verse 1b says, young and old will hear of your faithfulness. So why should we keep our promises of God to ourselves? A few weeks ago, um, Shorty asked me just to give you guys an update on my condition and everything that was going on with me. And I don't like talking about myself. Just kidding, I do. No, I don't. Um, but I did. And the reason for that was because all of you guys have been praying for me. And I wanted to make sure, and that was kind of the whole point, was to say, your prayers matter. Yes. Yes. Your faithfulness matters yes. to other people. So it, if there's, it, keep praying for people because it's going to happen. Because if it's God's promise for them, it's God's will for them, it's going to happen. And he came through for me because of your faithfulness, your prayers, and because I, there was times I knew that I needed it because there was times I was ready to say, I can't do this anymore. But because of the prayers of you guys and my family and my wife, I mean, it's, it got me through. And God fulfilled his promise to me. Sharing the faithfulness of God with others is a surefire way to keep our hearts fixed on him. Sharing with others helps to strengthen their faith as well. And it is a duty of all believers. Third point I want to make is the faithfulness of God is guaranteed. Verse 2 says, Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens. And this is a game changer for us. At least it should be. Few things in life are guaranteed. You know the old joke, the only two guarantees in life is this and taxes. But I can speak from personal experience. I'm going to add one to that, the faithfulness of God. Yes, yes, yes. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Amen. All through the Bible we see examples of God keeping his word, even when unexpected, and yet all through the Bible we see examples of God's forgetting his full, forgiving his full, giving his fullness, and they turn their backs on him yet again. All we got to do is go back to the book of Exodus, and you see how many times the Israelites turned their back on God. Yes. But what did he do? Still brought him through. Yes. Second Timothy, two eleven through thirteen says he is. Here is a trustworthy saying: If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Not only do we not not only do we need to live with him in the forefront, the very beginning, recognize that his faithfulness is our only. And I think we see that nowadays, every day. Our hope is in him. Because if we try to hope in the, if you want to put your hope and your trust and your faith in the politicians, 
or to an election, you're going to be greatly disappointed. <laughs> I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Uh, back to our original foundational verse of 2 Thessalonians. I want to read from the New King James Version, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Standing on the promises. There is an old hymn that I'm sure some of you will remember. I know I do. I look around and I see a few people that I know you remember. I'm not going to point them out. <laughs> Standing on the promises of God. Here's just a few... Uh, lyrics from that standing on the promises of christ my king through eternal ages let his praises ring glory in the highest i will shout and sing standing on the promises of god standing 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 on the promises of god my savior standing standing i'm standing on the promises of god standing on the promises that cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. So what does it mean to stand on His promises? And how do we stand? Peter introduces us to that concept that by His promises we, have bec we become partakers of His divine nature. He writes in 2 Peter 1 through, through 4, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Sounds simple, doesn't it? In reality it's not i will give you that because i've been there done that as we all have i'm not just speaking of myself but really instead of us trying to find the secret way or thinking we've got to do something extra all we got to do is trust and believe and it's like kenny said before we started the message open up the bible god's talking to you every day yeah. if you're not reading the bible every day you're not hearing what he's got to say right. so whose whose fault is that it's our own it's this should excite us because he has granted us his precious and very great promises. The promises of God are his glory. There is no pretended God that has ever supposed to be able to make promises like those of our God. Paul said, for all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen unto the glory of God. The question remains, will you stand on his promise? God has promised more than heaven and earth can hold. He has promised to give himself to his people. He is the great promiser. And I don't know if that's really a word. I had a little line under there when I wrote that. So some of maybe uh, some of the English, some of the better in English that I am can tell me if that promiser is good. So he is a great promiser, the mighty promiser. I set the promises of God in comparison and contrast with all the promises that were ever made. No other entity or person on earth can compare for an instant with the promises of the Most High. And I can stand here and say to you, I am living proof of that. 
truly not deserving. But God is God. He is who He is. I mean, wow. It was to God's glory to make those promises all sure. The fact remains that you can trust God. When He says, I will never leave you or forsake you, He is not like some people that say that as long as you do it their way, then I'll be with you. The dignity of His promises. God's promises deserve our attention. They are worthy of honor and respect. He's not an ATM when it comes to promises or faithfulness. And I'm not talking about just about money. So we need to uh, revere him and seek him and ask him for what we need. These are not just any promises. There have been many people who made you a promise but went back on their word. Either they were unwilling or unable to fulfill what they promised. Yet, God is not man that he would lie. Isn't that encouraging? Yes. Should be. The very fact that God made the promise deserves to be respected as such. These promises were all made according to the purpose of his own will. We sometimes read or hear or speak of the promises written in God's word, but do not give them as much credit as if, promise, if they were coming from a promise of a friend or a family member. Growing up, my dad, who was an alcoholic, um, my brother and I were, were at home. And my dad, we would always want to go camping. That was our big thing. Love to go camping. I don't do that now, unless it's at the Holiday Inn. But he would always promise us on a Friday night when he'd come home that he was going to take us camping for the weekend. And when Saturday morning rolled around, he broke that promise. God is irreversibly bound up with his promise. It is not possible for him to be God and yet to fail in the fulfillment of his promises. He has to keep his promise. We must approach his promises like this. It is done. It is as certain as a fact already accomplished because he knows the future. Why? Because it doesn't come to pass then God's glory would suffer an eclipse. He would be a liar. We'd have to call him a liar. And I'm not going to do that. I don't know about you. He is the unchanging God, which means he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not change. If his promises fail, then it's in an indication he has changed. And I'm glad that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, Gideon, Samuel, David, Solomon, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, and Paul, and Silas. And surely, he is the God of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Counted who counted him to raise him from the dead. His power is bound to his promise. Moses reminded him that when he wanted to destroy the children of Israel, the promise he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that story, but God had had enough. And he was about ready just to squash out the Israelites. 
And Moses went and reminded God of his promise. Yes. Yes. And that's okay to do that. God wants you to come and challenge him. He wants you to get face to face with him and say, God, you said you were going to do this for me. That's what he longs for. He wants that. That's what Moses did. And guess what? They made it to the promised land because he kept his promise. The range of God's promises. Peter describes the promises as precious and great. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, all of God's promises are yea and amen. God promises to address every need you may ever have. There are many of them. And they are found in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. I already mentioned there's about 7,500 so far that have been, I guess, researched. The Bible is a book of precious promises from cover to cover. Um, They seem to be like a series of stepping stones across the stream of time. And we may march from one promise to another. So we're at one promise, like I said, on the mountaintop. We're going to go through the valley and then we're back on the mountaintop again. And it'll bring us through each time. God will fulfill all temporal promises. Bread and water will be assured to us if we are the Lord's children. He will keep his promises about temporal affairs as well as those which concern everlasting joys and blessings. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. You may speak of the promises in any way that you please. And then you may say that the Lord will keep them all. You may pick out of the promise, one for a prisoner, a sinner, a backslider, a doubting one, an aged one, a young one, a barren woman, a strong one, um, all those who have full assurance of faith, the promise of those who love the Lord, those who delight themselves in the Lord. And then you may confidently declare concerning all of those promises to all sorts of conditions of people that the Lord will surely keep every one of them. All of those promises, it's a lot, 7,500. We can't sort them all out because, like I said, we'd be here forever. Promises of the pardon-seeking sinner, of justification to the believing child, sanctification to him who is struggling against sin, Promises of the supply of all kinds of spiritual food to the flock. Promises of guidance. Promises of uh, preservation, of peace and joy and of hope. Promises for death. Promises for judgment. Promises for glory. Promises that reach to all eternity. All of the promises. Stability of the promises. The promise of God are very firm. For first, they are settled on an everlasting basis. For they are promises in Christ. You can count on them. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. And all other ground is what? Sinking sand. sand. We need to agree with God. I'm going to read from the uh, uh, English Standard Version of Job 22:21. Agree with God and be at peace. Thereby goodwill will come to you. Receive instructions from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be built up. We often say things that overrule what God has said about things, and then we wonder why our prayers aren't answered. Ever been there? 
Whew, we think God is ignoring us when he has already spoken on a number of subjects. For example, he says, I am the Lord that heals you. But we disagree because we still have pain in our body and do not feel healed. Who doesn't have pain in their body? We are quick to remind God of how much we hurt, but ask for the same thing over and over again, which is an indication that we don't trust or believe him when he said he was going to provide. I am the Lord that heals you, and we continue to insist that we are not healed. 1 Peter 2.24 says, We still insist, No, I am not healed yet, maybe someday if it is his will. We look at circumstances with our natural eyes and continue to disagree with what God has already said. Matthew 18.19 says, Again, I say unto you, that if two, of you, two or more shall agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And I just picture it starts off with, again, I say unto you. So in other words, they didn't get it the first time. Right. So some of us don't get it the first time. <laughs> or the second time. Or the third time. So he just says, again, I say unto you. Jesus had to remind his disciples uh, of this before he said, again, I say unto you, how quickly they forgot. He told them once again to agree about things and God would do it for them. Maybe it is just in our nature to argue <laughs> about things and say, no, sir, that's not the way things are for me. I am not healed. I still hurt and I don't know if it is for me. <clears throat> we make it too hard on ourselves all the time. In the passage from Job, we just read, agree with God and be at peace, thereby goodwill will come to you. Just be at peace. I know it's hard. Been there, done that. But we can do it. What is the good we are looking for? One thing is that we don't continue to hurt, that the healer has come, like he said he would. He says, I am the Lord that heals you. Why can't we just say, okay, Lord, I believe you, and I take it. Now, this is not... <clears throat> one of those name it and claim it statements. Growing up in Rifle in a Pentecostal church, there was a lot of naming it and claiming it. Name it and claim it. And you can name it and claim it all you want for 24-7, and you ain't going to get it unless it's God's will for your life. Amen. It's just that simple. Because God knows what is best. I name it and claim one going to win the lottery every week. Guess what? I haven't won. All we have to do is follow what God says. Find out what his will is for your life and believe it. And then let it go. Like I said earlier on, I don't like to keep bringing up myself, but I'm a good example of just about everything not to do. So I figured, what the heck, I might as well just throw it out there. I've, I've given you guys all kinds of confessions of the things I've done over my life. All the bad things anyway which were quite a few, but this latest round of things that have been going on, I said to myself that I trusted God, that I believed that his prom he, would, he promised he would take care of, of me, he would provide for me. And I said, okay, yeah, all right, I believe that. That's about the attitude I took, was that kind of nonchalant, okay. And then things didn't happen. And so I tried to do things on my own. And then, guess what? Things didn't happen. 
I finally came to the realization that this life, uh, our life in Christ, is a step-by-step, day-by-day journey. He knows what he's going to do in advance. We don't know that, but we have to trust him that he knows what is best for us. And if we do that, life gets so much easier. I got to the point where I finally just said, I am not going to call you a liar anymore, and I'm going to believe you. And I said this out loud, and I know that sounds kind of goofy, sounds kind of corny, but I did. And when I did that, the relief came just like that. The peace came, and guess what happened? When I did that, everything worked out perfectly. His timing was perfect. It was nothing I did because I wasn't going to move God's hand. None of us can do that. But he is not a liar, and he truly does care about what is best for us. I believe we need to strengthen our knowledge about what God has already said to us so that we will not waver on whether we can rely on it or not. Job 17, 17 says, Thy word, O Lord, is truth. We must firmly believe this. God is not a man that he should lie. So do we firmly believe that, or we do sometimes do we believe it, and sometimes we don't, depending on our circumstances? That's the question of the day. Scripture tells us not to throw away our confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Hebrews 10.35 says, Agree with the Lord. Learn to not only stand firmly on the promises of God, but make a demand on them and expect them to happen. We can expect him to come through. Another scripture I found, which you don't really hear of this book often, is the book of Amos. 3.3. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? We think of two people walking together in agreement, but Jesus called his disciples his friends. We are walking hand in hand with him as our friend and in perfect harmony with him. Agree with God on what he has said in his word to us. It is reliable. Thy word, O Lord, is settled in the heaven. So it's a done deal. All of us have some things in our lives that need to be removed. We must exercise our authority over negative things. And I'm not talking about transcendental meditation and smoking candles and things like that. It's not what it's about. And I am not going to, like I said, I came to the realization, I've read it in a daily um, devotion. It says, I'm not going to disagree with God today. And when I stopped doing that, I saw things happen. I prayed about things that needed to be prayed about, and then I got out of the way. It's an amazing concept. It sounds so easy. Now I look back, it's like, no problem. No, it was a problem. I understand that. My words are going to be in alignment with what God says, and I'm going to speak of them out loud. And I already told you about how I did that. So we can make Revelation 12:11 our scripture. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So the question I have as I bring this to working on bring it to a close everybody sweet. Where will you stand? When the winds come and the rains fall, we all look for a place to stand.
some turn to their wits, certain that their intellect will be sufficient to find a way forward. Others trust in their wealth, confident because of their finances they can withstand any storm. Still others look to the position of power, the charm of their personality, the resourcefulness that they have demonstrated in the past. But then that call from the doctor comes, says, I'm sorry, it's cancer and it's advanced. There's a terrible accident and you're asked to identify a body. A child tells you that she hates you. She walks out of your life and months go by and you have no idea where she is, how she is, or if she is. You see a text on your spouse's phone and you realize that your marriage has been a lie. You have everything the world says you should have, or that you have to be happy, but there's an empty darkness in your soul that will not go away and you cry yourself to sleep. How then shall we live? By wits, by wealth, by portion, or by, excuse me, by position or charm. You may survive that way, but you will not overcome that way, and you will not thrive that way. You will not truly live that way. We can always stand on the promises of God. Storms will come and rains will fall, the waters will rise, and our lives will be shaken. That is the reality for all of us. That foundation is the greatness. I'm sorry, but there is a place to stand. There is a foundation that is sure. The foundation is the greatness of God and the promises he has given us. Whatever you are facing, whether it's health, whether it's wealth, a job, relationship, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I faced more than one thing. But you know what? God is greater than your circumstance. Whatever you fear, there is a promise you can trust. And whatever comes against you, by faith you can live the abundant life that God has for you. God will keep his promise. In the midst of the storm, we become convinced, I need a new promise. I need to know how. And God comes to us and says, you don't need a new promise. You need to hear the same promise again. God has promised you will be brought safely through. You will reach your journey's end in Jesus Christ. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Philippians 4.19 says, My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches. Glory, Christ Jesus. In the crazy storms, the shipwrecks, the starless nights, and the sunless days, we don't know how God will save us. But we do have his promises. And when we get to the end of our lives, we will be able to say, I had no idea he would save me, how I would make it to the end. But never once did he fail to keep his promise. Do you guys believe that this morning? I hope so because I'm living proof. I am absolutely living proof of that. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, 
please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will lift up.